0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. While Jesus was speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers appeared outside, wishing to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside asking to speak to you. But he said in reply to the one who told him, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my heavenly father is my brother and sister, and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There is a fundamentally powerful and significant note of belonging that our readings place before us on this feast of Our Blessed Lady under her title, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. The first reading from the prophet Zechariah is first a call to rejoice, but then rejoicing for a reason. And the reason is that God will come and dwell among his people. Rejoice, O daughter Sion. The Lord will make his abode among you. And as the prophet continues speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we see that this is not simply an abiding, which is a mere being with, but an abiding that claims that Judah once more will belong to the Lord. No mere visit, but an abiding which establishes something new, which has a permanence of belonging about it. But it begins with that word rejoice. In other words, don't simply receive this as mere information. Understand how wondrous it is that the Lord himself truly desires to dwell among his people, with you and among you. And his drawing near to you in this way is for the sake of you belonging to him. Rejoice, O daughter Zion. And that is why, as a response to that reading, Our Lady's Magnificat is chosen by the church today. Because again, the responsorial psalm isn't called that because there's a response that we repeat. Repeating the response is actually optional. It's called that because it responds to the first reading. And note how beautiful this is. The first reading says, Rejoice, O daughter Zion. And what is the response? The truly blessed, most pure daughter Zion herself, Our Lady, cries out with the presence of the Lord dwelling and abiding within her. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And we see here the church puts before us this marvelous fulfillment on the part of our Blessed Lady. She is on the one hand that place where God most fully comes and abides with us. Choosing to cloister himself and dwell within Our Lady. Choosing to robe himself in our humanity within Mary. But she is also the fulfillment of the command to rejoice. She who has received him within the very depths of herself, appreciates him so greatly and so mightily. She rejoices in more than the fact that she is the mother of a son. She rejoices that salvation is alive within her, not just for herself, but for you. And in this moment of her rejoicing, she rejoices with the joy that God calls all of his people to have. And note how deep it is. It penetrates every aspect of her very self. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. How many of us could begin to say something like that? Where when we look within ourselves, we see the very depth of our being proclaiming the greatness of God who is with us. And my spirit rejoices in God. God indeed is the delight of my heart, my life, my spirit. And she continues, note how beautifully, note how beautifully every word the spirit inspires her to say brings to a glorious completion this call from the prophet to the people the lowly, abandoned, afflicted people to rejoice over the nearness of God. Because what does she say? What is the reason for her rejoicing? And it is not simply that the Lord is within me. It is because he has noticed me. He who is mighty, he who is great, He who stretched out the heavens like a bolt of tent-maker's cloth. He who sees all of the universe in all of its splendor, sees me, tiny, me, little, me, humble, me. I am nothing before him. I am nothing compared to him. And yet he sees me. He has looked upon his servant in her lowliness. And in saying that, she speaks of that fundamental mystery of what it is to be the people of God. God who says to that same people, once you were no people, but now you are my people. Not because you were great, not because you were mighty, not because you were important, because in fact you were the least of all peoples, but I set my heart on you. He has looked upon his servant in her lowliness. And as she continues, she names the unique and mighty joy of her life as a unique and mighty joy that is more than her own. Because what has happened in her life is part of what God is doing for the entire world, for all of his people, for all people because he is the one who fills the hungry with good things and sends the rich away empty. He is the one who brings down the mighty and the self-important and takes the lowly and lifts them to the highest of places. And all of this is happening within her because within her, he who is mighty doesn't just notice her, but takes flesh within her. And he who is vaster than the cosmos encloses himself in the tiny little space of her person. How unspeakably beautiful this is. Our Lady, the one who rejoices in the Lord, our Lady, the one within whom God dwells, but she who is also his house, his dwelling place, his temple, the mountain where he comes down to be with his people, to meet them, to teach them, and instruct them. How beautiful it is that we can be here on top of this little hill, at the foot of this great boulder. And look upward and see she whom the mighty one looked upon in her lowliness. And seeing her lowliness, desired her and was pleased with her. So pleased that he made himself lowly to dwell within her. What a great mystery. How can we not rejoice? How can our hearts not be moved at a love so wondrous as this? And we see here something that the church has long insisted on. If we would really know Jesus, if we would really know the love of God, oh, look, look to Mary. Because when we look to Mary, we see the place where his love becomes so very clear. When we look to Mary, we see what it is to receive and know and rejoice in that love. Note how here we can't look at her without seeing him. And we see as we look upon her the way he is pleased to come to us. The way he is pleased to meet us. The wonderful mystery of God abiding with his people. And it is with this in mind, then, that we turn to those mysteriously difficult words of Jesus in the gospel. That at first glance, we might be tempted to say, is Jesus pushing his mother away, saying she's not important. But that is not the case. That is not the case. And I'm gonna come over here and just talk to my young friend in the bench. Your parents didn't warn you that I would come and talk to you, did they? What is your <laughs> name? Joelle, is your mom here? Is, would this be your mom? Are you trying to be a good son? Does a good son love his mother? Sometimes or all the time? All the time. And would a good son look at his mother and say, she's not really my mom? No. (laughs) You're answering wisely, but mom is sitting next to you, too. (laughs) Um, We have to understand this. Jesus is the son of Mary, isn't he? Is Jesus a good son or a bad son? He's a good son, isn't he? In fact, he's the very best of all sons. And the very best of all sons would love his mother very much, right? And when he spoke about his mother, he would want to say the very best of things about his mother. Because understand, Jesus doesn't stop being the son of Mary. That is who he is. He is, in fact, her son. And we have to remember that as we listen to his words here. Because again, it comes down to the issue of belonging. And so we hear that the mother of Jesus and other family members come, seeking to come in and speak to him. Jesus gets the word, and he turns, and he looks at his disciples, because now he wants to teach them something. And so I'm going to go back to my friend Joel here. We're really putting you to work today, young man. And, Joelle, if somebody was going to compliment your mother, would you want them to say any old thing or something that was true, right, and good? And would you want them to say the second best thing or the very best thing about your mom? The very best thing. This is a good son. This is a good son. So now, note. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, who is my mother? He's not asking the trivial question of, well, duh, she's standing right behind you. Okay, What Jesus is saying with that question is, what makes her so intimately united to me? Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Who is my sister? He's not looking for somebody to, to point out everybody who is a physical relation. He is asking the question, what connects someone to me so closely there as a brother, as a sister, as a mother? In other words, what is the deep and great secret, even of Mary's relationship to me. And note, this is important because the Lord is also saying that this may be something we can participate in too. Because the issue at hand is belonging. What does it mean to belong to me? To belong with me? And so, he says something that the Church has summarized in these beautiful words of St. Augustine. Before Our Lady conceived the Word of God in her womb, she conceived him in her heart. In other words, her greatness is beyond the fact that she is the biological mother of Jesus. That is vitally and necessarily important. But her true greatness is her faithfulness. Her true greatness is her ability to receive, to understand, and to surrender herself to the will and the word of God. So much so, so completely, that he who is the word of God is completely heard by Mary, received within Mary, and completely communicated to the world, to us. And so note what Jesus says. The one who hears and does the will of my Father, that's my mother. Oh, that is his mother. Who has heard and known and done the will of the Father like she has with the exception of Christ himself? but note how beautiful that is because the Lord is saying the greatness of her belonging to me can be the greatness of your belonging to me too. You're learning to say with Mary and like Mary, let it be done unto me according to your word, according to your will. Behold the servant of the Lord. And the more we surrender ourselves to the call of the gospel, the more we surrender ourselves to know and do the will of God, the more fully we belong to the God who longs to dwell among us. How wonderful that is. And how good, how good that we can be aware of that here. Because From this altar, at the foot of this rock, on top of this hill dedicated to Our Lady where we have come to meet the Lord, God who abides with us today, descends once more from heaven to this place. And we who gather in this beautiful garden on top of this hill dedicated to Our Lady, our miniature Mount Carmel. We can come forward and we can stretch out our hands to him who fills the hungry with good things and know that he himself is that greatest of things with which he feeds and fills the hunger of the human heart and the human spirit. And we can receive him. And note how marvelous this is, because at that moment, when you go back to your bench, you are holding him within you. And again, we have the call of the prophet Zechariah, rejoice. For I will abide. I will make my abode among my people. And in that moment, he's making his abode in you. And he abides among his people because he abides in you. Pause then. Consider how wondrous and how great that is. And think of how Our Lady fulfilled it, holding him within her. The first prayer ever said by one who held the Lord within. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Because he who is mighty has looked upon the lowliness not of somebody else, but of you and of me. And how could we not rejoice? How could we not rejoice? And then we do well to remember that beautiful coda to St. Augustine's words that St. John Eudes never tired of teaching the people he worked with. St. Augustine said, Our Lady, conceived our Lord in her heart well before she conceived him in her womb. And St. John Eudes added a second part to that statement, and it was this. And our Lord abided in the womb of Mary only a short time, nine months. But he never, ever left her heart. We can't carry the Lord within us for nine months, biologically, as Mary did. Oh, but he can abide in our hearts. And that abiding, indeed, can have a glorious and beautiful permanence about it. Amen.